Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Buy Mastery Podcast, where our focus is on providing tools, resources, and insights that empower driven individuals to secure their own path to financial independence. My name is Peter Donisanu, and today we're going to talk about the dominant market narrative likely to drive investor sentiment in the coming year, and that's inflation. More specifically, investors likely will be attuned to how Fed policymakers respond to inflation in the coming months, and that's why in today's episode, we'll discuss three essential conditions that the Fed and market participants likely will be watching before we finally move out of this bear market sell-off and into a new bull market rally. We'll also talk about three things you can do to secure your path to financial independence as we head into another season of heightened market volatility. So with that, let's dive into today's podcast. To say that 2022 was a disappointing year for investors is an understatement. U.S. stocks gave up more gains to close the year than they have since the height of the global financial crisis. And even bonds, which tend to move higher when stocks fall, saw their worst declines in decades. And while some investors sought out cash as a safe haven, inflation and rising cost of living ate into the purchasing power of most savers. Now, ultimately, investors had no safe place to hide from this year's economic and market carnage, and it's arguably the Fed's fault. Now, understandably, after this year's market volatility, many investors are ready to throw in the towel and move to the sidelines as there appears to be no end to the ongoing economic and market uncertainty. Even so, as we look ahead to the coming year, there are some early signs that we may finally receive the long-awaited relief rally sought by so many investors. And that's why getting out of the markets now could mean potentially missing out on the start of the next bull market rally. Now, to get to the rally, we need to move through another period of market ups and downs. And while it feels like the floor is coming out from under the markets, it's important to understand that the unwinding that we're seeing across the financial system today is arguably not driven by bubbles bursting like they did in 2000 or 2008. Instead, what's different about this sell-off is that policymakers, namely the Federal Reserve and global central banks, are purposefully engineering an economic and market decline by raising interest rates in a bid to combat out-of-control inflation. What this means for many investors out there is that once policymakers are sufficiently convinced that inflationary pressures are under control, their next likely move could be to pause their interest rate hikes before lowering them once again. Now, this outcome is essential for financial markets because typically in a bear market, risk assets tend to find their footing and rally higher when economic conditions are prime, like when inflation is falling and the economy is stalling out and it's prime for the Fed to cut interest rates once again. Now, as you'll likely recall, this expectation in 2022 led to many fits and starts in the markets as investors prematurely held out hopes that the Fed would finally start pausing interest rates or start cutting interest rates. And we call this the Fed pivot. 
So if the Fed is engineering an economic slowdown that led to the recent market sell-off, the big question here is what needs to happen in the coming months before the central bank finally starts cutting interest rates again, giving the markets a chance to finally rally higher? Well, policymakers likely will need to see three economic conditions play out before changing their approach. And this includes a drop-off in consumer spending, a reset of inflation expectation, and persistent declines in services and housing inflation. Now, as these conditions are met, we likely will start to see the bottom formation in the current market sell-off, which, holding everything constant, paves the way for a higher market close into the end of 2023. As we move towards these conditions, we're likely to face increased market and economic volatility, and that's something that we need to pay attention to as we move forward into the first half of 2023. Now, one question you may be asking yourself is, why would the Fed care about curbing household spending when its primary concern is inflation? Well, if you think back to your college economics 101 courses, then you'll likely recall that inflation tends to happen when there are either too few goods to purchase, and that's supply-side inflation, or too much money chasing too few goods, and that's demand-side inflation. Now, following the pandemic in 2020, we did experience the effects of supply-side inflation as global supply chains came to a screeching halt, and the prices for some goods on store shelves moved higher. But now you'll recall that the Federal Reserve and the U.S. government as a whole injected trillions of dollars into the financial system and into the economy to stave off what could have been a devastating economic downturn, likely worse than the Great Depression. Now, while money printing helped to stave off what could have been a very bad recession, all of that extra money combined with global supply chain bottlenecks ultimately led to more money chasing too few goods. Adding insult to injury as supply chain issues were ultimately resolved, households continued to spend at historically high rates while businesses raised prices on goods and services that they sold. Now, one reason for this outcome is that the pandemic led millions of individuals to retire early or to quit the labor force altogether. And a lack of qualified workers in several key economic sectors ultimately led employers to raise wages to entice individuals to come back to work. So combine extra cash available from higher savings or stimulus checks coupled with higher incomes, and now you have the recipe for higher household uh, spending and higher inflation. Now, policymakers can't directly determine how you or I spend our money. So they can influence our spending decisions by introducing economic uncertainties that prompt many of us to ask questions like, should I save more money today because I could lose my job tomorrow? Or by ultimately making it more expensive to purchase big ticket items like a house or a new car. This point arguably was likely one of the reasons why Fed Chair Jay Powell alluded to the central bank's need to inflict economic pain during his comments at the Jackson Hole Symposium back in August. Now, so far, the economic data suggests that one indicator of consumer spending, that's retail sales, still remains robust. It's still strong. Now, even broader gauges of spending, like the government's measure of 
personal consumption expenditures at the GDP level showed that while spending is slowing, it continues to grow at a steady clip with little signs of abating. Now, with all that said, there is hope that the Fed's policies are beginning to have an effect. That's because data show that households, after spending through pandemic-era stimulus cash, are seeing their personal savings rate fall to their lowest level in recent history. This low level of savings suggests that some individuals are finally hitting the limits of their spending ability. Another sign that households are becoming financially tapped out is what's happening in the lending markets right now. For example, outstanding revolving debt balances, which includes credit cards, are now back to their highest levels in history. In fact, in less than two years following the pandemic, consumers charged up nearly $200 billion worth of spending on their credit cards and other revolving lines of credit. To put this figure into perspective, it took households seven and a half years to charge up the same amount of money on their credit cards in the years following the Great Recession. Taken all together, what the data is likely telling us is that while households are earning more today, their savings are being depleted, leaving some individuals to use credit cards to pay for non-essentials as prices rise, and in some case, to spend beyond their means. And as the Fed continues to raise rates, higher interest charges will likely make it more difficult for individuals to live off of borrowed money, potentially putting a damper on economic consumption in the months ahead. Now, another factor that Fed officials likely will closely watch is expectations. That's because your and my expectations of where we think inflation is headed often shapes how inflation plays out in the months and the years ahead. Indeed, what we believe about inflation often turns into a self-fulfilling prophecy. So for example, suppose you expect the costs to maintain your household to rise into the future with no end in sight. In this case, you and your coworkers likely will demand that your employer give you a raise to cover your cost of living or higher cost of living, or you'll likely seek out a new job that pays you more money to cover these rising expenses. So how do we measure this sentiment? Well, several outfits conduct their own surveys to gauge household inflation expectation. One of the most prominent surveys comes to us from the University of Michigan, and the latest reading shows that household inflation expectations remain around 5% their highest level in decades. Now, in a similar way, if businesses expect costs to continue rising in the years ahead, they'll likely raise prices now to compensate their workers and to pad their margins. And this expectation of higher inflation among business leaders is now evident in the Richmond Fed's recent CFO survey. So for example, in that latest print, business leaders indicated that they expect unit costs to rise around 9% in 2022 and a further 7% in 2023. Adding insult to injury, these executives also predict wage growth to rise another 7% in the coming year. So now if we measure inflation as the realized price that consumers pay or expect to pay for goods and services, it's hard not to see how these rising expectations tend to flow through inflation. That's why policymakers are keen to make economic conditions so unbearable for individuals and businesses alike that 
workers will remain grateful for having a job during an economic downturn, and business leaders will be willing to put their goods and services on sale to entice the next marginal buyer so they, at the very least, can cover their operating expenses. Now, finally, in terms of conditions that policymakers likely will be watching before changing their policy stance in the coming months is the actual incoming inflation data. Now, these data include measures like the headline CPI or the Consumer Price Index and the Fed's preferred measure of inflation, PCE, or the Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index. Now, the trouble with using price indices as inputs to direct policy is that they tend to lag behind the mechanisms that drive inflation in the first place. That's why measures of inflation like the CPI are best viewed as confirmation that policies have taken effect rather than as leading indicators of how households or businesses um, may anticipate inflation into the future. So what's the data telling us now? Well, incoming data suggests that Fed policies are having their desired effects on inflation to a certain extent. Indeed, recent data shows that inflation, headline inflation that is, in November fell to 7.1% from its peak of 9% earlier in the year. To put this number into context, however, the current inflation reading is still 5 percentage points above the average that we've seen since the Great Recession and remains well outside the Fed's 2% inflation target. This current trend means that the Fed still has a lot of work to do to get inflation under control. And while we've seen food and energy prices begin to ebb to a certain degree, one of the most significant components of inflation is shelter prices, which remains stubbornly high. In fact, shelter accounts for a third of CPI. But there's hope among some policymakers that the Fed's restrictive policies could finally take the air out of the overheating housing market and bring overall inflation back down to earth. Now, indeed, recent data show that home prices are now falling, but remain elevated from where they were a year ago. Even so, lender Freddie Mac projects that home price growth will decline on a year-over-year -year basis in the coming year, and many economists predict a decline of between 3 to 4% in the housing market by year-end 2023. Such price declines could be a welcome development for inflation overall, but that likely won't be enough to curb the current effects of inflation. Another critical factor that's influencing current price levels, it's what's happening in the services sector of the economy. So what is services inflation, you ask? Well, services inflation includes the prices we pay for things like housing or rent, uh, healthcare, eating out, transportation, and online subscriptions. And while headline CPI has fallen from recent levels this year, services inflation in November marked one of its fastest periods of growth in over three decades. So headline inflation is slowing, but services inflation continues to accelerate. And so why is this important? Well, it's important because as a share of overall GDP consumption, Households today spend more on services than they do on goods and they have over the past 40 years. So while falling headline inflation likely will be perceived by some market participants as a hopeful sign that the Fed could eventually begin easing back on its rate hike policies, what happens with housing and the service inflation likely will play a more prominent role 
in the Fed's policy decisions in the months ahead. So at this point, you may be wondering, what does all this talk about inflation have to do with my financial independent savings? Well, the simple answer is that the Fed cares about inflation and the markets care about what the Fed will do next. Until the Fed stops raising interest rates, investors likely will be challenged to find a direction in this uncertain market, especially as an economic and earnings recession looms large on the horizon. That's why for the markets, it's all about inflation in 2023. Now, certainly how and when the Fed ultimately decides to exit this latest rate hike cycle is anyone's guess. However, there are some guideposts that investors are watching to help provide some indication of the market's next potential move. And these include household spending, price expectations, and headline inflation reports. Now, so far, none of these indicators have fallen to levels that would prompt policymakers to shift gears, which is why market hopes of a Fed pivot in 2022 have largely fallen flat. This means that market volatility will likely remain elevated for the foreseeable future. Indeed, for the first few months of the year, we expect market direction to be biased to the downside until we see evidence that inflation has sharply decelerated or a shock event like a, a sudden economic downturn takes the wind out of inflation sales. Until then, our guidance remains unchanged from where it's been in 2022. And that's stay the course. But as we head into another period of heightened market volatility, there are a few things that you can do to ensure that your financial goals stay on the right track. First, keep enough cash on hand to help you sleep well at night when the markets go south. This approach could help you avoid selling securities at an inopportune time in the markets. Second, stay committed to your disciplined investment strategy and avoid trying to time your way into and out of the markets. You know, history has shown that the best days in the markets typically happen towards the end of a bear market sell-off, which means that if you try to time the markets, you could be missing out on the best days in the markets themselves. And finally, and most importantly, stay focused on the long-term purpose of your money and make grounded financial decisions. This is important because we're more prone to make emotionally based decisions when the future appears uncertain. You know, when it comes down to it, there's little we can do to control inflation, the Fed's next move, how the markets respond, or anything else that's outside of our control. But ultimately, you can rest assured that your financial plan exists to help you navigate your path to financial independence, no matter what's going on in the world around you. Well, that's it for now. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the Five Mastery podcast. To learn more about our research, visit us at fivemastery.com or email your questions to questions at franklinmadisonadvisors.com. Until next time, I'm Peter Donisanu, wishing you and yours abundant health and prosperity. Five Mastery Podcast is brought to you by Franklin Madison Advisors, Inc. Franklin Madison Advisors is a registered investment advisor firm with its registration and principal place of business in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Registration of an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. This commentary and forecast are limited to the dissemination of general information pertaining to Franklin Madison Advisors investment advisory services and general economic and market conditions and are subject to change without notice. The information shared today is not intended to be personal, legal, investment, or tax advice. 
or a solicitation to buy or sell any security or engage in a particular investment strategy. For additional information about Franklin Madison Advisors, including fees and services, please contact Franklin Madison Advisors or refer to the Investment Advisor Public Disclosures.